Hi, I'm Neil Matursky, and my counterpart here is Samuel Fleischhacker. Uh, from, uh, he's in France this morning, I'm in Las Vegas, and whatever time zone you're in, either good morning or good afternoon. And this is, uh, we hope, to be the first in a regular series of short, brief, high-level uh, uh, presentations to our audience and our customers. Uh, and to the marketplace of uh, different things that we have going on, things that are applicable to uh, the bonded cellular arena, the Remy arena, uh, and you know different whether it's a technology update, uh, use cases, and you know just to be uh, you know more proactive and being engaged with uh, with with uh, our audience and our customers. So uh, thanks for joining me, Samuel. Thank you. And good morning, and, good afternoon to everyone. Yes, great. And um, we're gonna, you know, our, our goal again is to be brief and relatively high level, but give some real information as well. Um, so, you know, today we wanna talk about remote production, 5G, how the two are being influenced from, you know, uh, by each other. And I'm gonna start with very brief, uh, but a little story of years ago when I was young, I was an EIC on a production truck and, at, uh, I was 24 years old and uh, we were an auxiliary truck for ABC Monday Night Football. And this was back when Monday Night Football was it, the epitome of sports broadcasting. And one of the engineers kind of took me under his wing, just kind of like me, he was talking to me and he said, hey kid, do you know what a remote is? Do you know what the definition of a remote is? And, and I took it serious. You know, I didn't want to seem like a stupid kid. And um, Yes, I was like, well, yeah, it's when you, you know, generate, uh, generate a show from a remote facility, not within the studio confines. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, the real definition of a remote is there's a remote chance it might all work. And especially, you know, over the years, I have, uh, you know, I'm sure all of you who work in remote production have found that to be true to one extent or another. At that time, that we were still using tube cameras. So, uh, the chance of everything working was much more remote. But the, you know, the one of the points I want to make, besides just nostalgia, is that you know remote production, especially the types of remote production that that you know that we're trying, not trying, that we are doing today and looking to do more of and better, requires uh, robust connectivity, reliability, and performance. Um, and you know we're at the point where those have come together with the technology that we use, where Remy production at home is a re reality. Um, you know some people on the lower end are doing it at home, literally. Uh, but you know for for the most part, at home Remy, you know to our world means in a centralized control room. So all sources or as many sources as possible uh, are simply you know brought in as remotes rather than a full production on site so that everything comes in as remotes and is produced in central location. And what are the benefits? Why? Uh, almost for the entire time that I've been associated with the broadcast industry, you know, it's been in phases, harder times, uh, harder push at times than others, but constantly. What can we, you know, how can we save money? Um, how can we do more with less and do it just as well? And, you know, so some of the benefits are less people on site, travel costs, uh, smaller crews, uh, the time to set up uh, with, as we will 
show you, you know, some of the applications are very easy and quick to deploy. Uh, things can be pre-set up and you can be up and going uh, in a much, much shorter time. And then of course, both of those combined with other factors save money. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, that's a bot. We've been bottom line driven for a long time. It will always, you know, be bottom line driven. And the more, the, the more efficiently that we can produce content, um, you know, the, the, the better we will be and hopefully the, you know, more things that we will be able to do. Next slide. So two basic architectures, and, and these are very, very basic, very high level, but, you know, and there's multiple ways of, of deploying Remy solutions. Uh, one is full Remy, where you're producing, switching, editing at the studio. Everything comes back as a remote. Uh, obviously, to do this, uh, all sources need to be uh, synchronized with lip sync and genlock and timing. Uh, at the well, we do it at the encoder end, but everything needs to come in fully synchronized, easy to use, ready to go. Your sources come in, and you you know you can switch your show remotely. Um, a hybrid approach is also uh, doing a splitting it, doing you know deploying a smaller truck or a trailer or even the full production truck, and um, bringing all of the sources. Uh, back to the truck as you would traditionally, and then backhauling it using a 5G uh, with you know remote control pipes and um, you know tying the two together with a 5G pipeline. Next slide. And one of the things that is is you know I find exciting, and and you know having been both in in sports and news and other TV businesses. Um, you know, I almost see it as we're now, you know, it was, it was a totally different animal to deploy, you know, six news cameras to a, a breaking story and bring those back in, you know, by microwave paths in different ways. And it was shot, you know, switched as always, and the newscast was switched in the control room. And, you know, that really is a, the most basic traditional type of Remy, but now, you know, for a sporting event or multiple events or multiple venues, it's kind of the same thing. You can just simply deploy camera crews with our encoders uh, to a single venue or to multiple venues. And again, as long as everything is locked, synchronized, lip sync, gen locked, um, which we do with the field encoders, everything comes in and you're ready to shoot a show. So, um, you know, different, different applications and uh sarah i'd love for you to go a little bit deeper we show you know 5g the 5g cloud in the middle here uh you know can yeah. share a little share a little bit yeah um in fact in all your you introduced uh nil there is one important point is of course that we the solution needs to rely on um the, the beauty of of the solutions is that it relies on what we name unmanaged IP networks, and especially on cellular networks, so already existing infrastructures. Today, we already provide solutions for uh, 4G for 4G networks, but with the 5G, and I will elaborate a little bit more later, it opens uh, much more doors uh, thanks to uh, a lot of, of benefits uh, that I'm going to describe. But let's say that thanks to the 5G networks uh, with our solution, you can uh, first uh, deliver the stream, uh, the video stream from the field, from the venue to the studio. 
uh, you can also control remotely from the studio your cameras, as you described. But on the top of that, you can also add intercommunication, which is not described here. But you can, of course, uh, give some uh, command orders from the studio to the field and inversely. And uh, with our solution, you can also transmit a video return from the studio to the field, for instance, for teleprompting or for delivering the, 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 the on-air signals for confidence monitoring. So everything is possible thanks to the 5G and our solutions. And it relies, of course, on the cellular networks, but not only uh, because uh, we need to add our own source on the top of it, which is the doubly Omi awarded technology named SST, which stands for Safe Stream transport technology, which offer many features, such as what we name the network aggregation or the, the network bonding. Uh, it means that uh, the, all the data, video, audio, video return, or remote control, are not only transmitted over one cellular network, but over multiple cellular network at the same time. So our system measure and monitor in real time the quality of the different cellular networks and optimize and spread the transmission over all of them. Uh, if one is going down, another one is uh, more used and inversely. So it guarantees a, a high level of quality of services uh, for, for all types of streams. We, we manage, of course, parquet retransmission, uh, error correction. We are balancing, as I described, the, the, the bitrate. And we also manage network priorities uh, uh, between the different networks. For instance, in France, there is, a, as any country, there is multiple operators. And some TV stations uh, have some special agreement with a special carriers. So they will say that they want to use as priority first, this carrier, because they, they don't pay so much the data, and the other one are used as backup. So our system is able to manage this directly. Um, now let's let's look a little bit more in depth about our uh, solution. So I, I give you the floor, uh, Neil, to describe our uh, transmitter solutions. Yes, and, and, and the, the, the robustness of the SST and the transmitters is, as I said, you know, the one of the, the key things that, that facilitates running. You couldn't really do a high quality running production if you can't rely on the lake. And uh, our uh, transmitters, what we're showing here is we have our Pro 3 and our Air, all of, both of which are fully capable of 3G, LTE, and 5G. The 360 that we're showing is six modems and the Air, which is Air 320 and 220, is a two-modem device that we can uh, extend up to, uh, I believe it's about 1112 uh, total external modems with antenna pods, but they're expandable as well. One of the key things, though, that that uh, you know that we deliver with the six 5G modems and differentiator is all five, all six of the modems are 5G. So all six of those modems can connect to either a 5G signal and LTE, or you know if you have to, uh, a 3G band, and we can select which bands uh, that we need to, to connect to. So there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of power. The form factor, OpWest has always been uh, pretty much the first, one of the first, that everything with the initial design was camera back for you know a production and or you know potentially a news environment. Uh, a lot of people in some markets 
you know, such as me, who was especially like to use backpacks. Um, so, you know, we can be configured in a, it's a, it's a very robust uh, unit. So the, it's not just the connectivity that's robust, that where we have the robustness, it's in the antennas and the modems and the unit design. I mean, it's a sturdy box. It can be deployed on the camera back in a backpack. Uh, the air can be deployed on a pouch. It's got a quarter 20 connector, it can be on tripods, many different applications. And uh, coming soon will be our Pro 4 series, which will have all of the same capabilities, uh, but will have the additional capability of either a UHD signal or for multi-HD signals. Uh, the 5G rollout in the US, you know, a lot of people, you know, will say, oh, it's just marketing. And Samuel has a lot of experience worldwide with the rollout, uh, which is, you know, a bit different than in the US. Uh, but the, you know, um, the carriers, the marketing part is somewhat true, but there are real 5G deployments in the US being rolled out uh, called non-standalone, where it utilizes 5G for the data path and the phone call, the actual connection is managed through the LTE infrastructure. Uh, and all of the carriers have different flavors within the sub six band. There will also be what's called standalone within the sub six. And that is a pure 5G deployment where the connectivity, the phone call, is established and the data connection, the data flows all through 5G. But one other area uh, that I'll, I'll you know, let, let, let Samuel expand on a little bit that is both a challenge and in the long term, I think is gonna be one of the real benefits to the revenue production world is the millimeter weight band, which we show here in the 24 to 30 gig. And that currently, well, that that is where some of the U.S. carriers, and I'm not sure overseas, but you have some very interesting things going on at the Olympics. I know, Sam. Well, I'm not sure how much you'll be able to talk about, but the it's that is a different type of deployment where the sub six is more similar to LTE, right? Where it's everywhere, but in the millimeter wave, it's you know, it's it will require different antennas, different modems. You know, you won't be able to share across the band. Uh, it's up, it's very high frequency, limited distance, but it's almost like a hotspot connectivity with extreme bandwidth and extremely low latency. Yes, you summarize it uh, very well, uh, Neil. Uh, I just need to add that um, today our solution uh, are of course sub six uh, gigahertz compliance for non-standalone and standalone networks. So they are already full compliant. And thanks to our solution, you can let the system manage the, the selection of the generation 3G, 4G or 5G in automatic mode. Or you can also tell it directly, I want to be in 5G and only in 5G. Of course, in standalone mode only. So you can already configure that. For the millimeter waves, yes, of course, our, um, our um, investigation is that millimeter wave will probably with, will be the technology that will equip uh, stadiums, um, uh, some, uh, you know, Formula One areas and so on with, a, uh, let's say, an, a fixed installation to allow very high bitrate and ultra low latency. So, and we are working on that topics for an, the next generation of solution and especially a dedicated uh, external cameras. 
Now, if we look at the benefit of the 5Gs, because um, sometimes it's summarized by more bitrate, lower latency, and better quality. So, of course, but what is behind that and what, what is uh, the interest for the video uh, activities and the remote production? So, a better bitrate, so typically it's 10, 10, 10 times better than 4G. So, better bitrate means that you can transmit much more speed or you can transmit uh, ultra HD where you could not do it safely right now. Better density means that you can have much more equipment in the same area, which are 5G. So we can have everything in 5G, uh, our transmitters, but also the microphone, also uh, headset, everything. So it is possible with 5G. Better latency, of course, when you are performing and achieving a real-time system, you want to have the lower latency uh, uh, offered by the system. So it, it's uh, on the network side is one milliseconds. So it will never be a glass-to-glass -glass latency because we have to add on the top of that the encoding time, the decoding time, and so on. But the, the, the latency of the network itself is significantly reduced. And the next point is what we name the mobile edge computing. It is the capabilities to, to host inside the core network of the carriers the video processing that today you do on your premises, in your studio. So, so you, you will move your studio inside the, the, the carrier networks to do the jobs. And thanks to that, to the radio part with the low latency and the mobile edge computing, you can have an ultra low reactivity and latency for your systems. And the last point uh, is a better quality. So with 5G, you can define different level of quality with the quality of services layers, and also what we name the network slicing. So the network slicing, you have to imagine that it's like uh, an highway. Uh, typically today uh, with uh, uh, 4G, uh, you have a, a, a highway that is used by everyone. With uh, uh, 5G, you will have dedicated paths, the slice, which are named the slice, for which you will rent, for instance, this slice, and you will be the only one to use it. So it means that when you are uh, performing a live in the stadium, you will not share the same bandwidth as any consumer with a smartphone. So you will have a dedicated uh, road for your live which will, which will have no artifact, no, no, no impairments thanks to that. So this is the benefits, the technical benefits of the 5G networks. So by Ivy West, um, we made several uh, deployment. So we are, I'm going to leave France in two days for Tokyo and I will deploy some 5G systems right over there. But we already do some uh, testing proof of concept and deployment for with Orange in the French tennis tournament, with Telefonica in Spain for the final cup of, uh, of basketball, in China, in Italy with Telecom Italia, with Bouygues Telecom in France for a remote control system, and with TDC in the Nord, uh, Nordic countries in Europe. So the system is fully operational and works pretty well. Uh, now let's look on the different uh, type of streams uh, involved in the remote uh, production. And Neil will explain this to you. Well, I mean, the pieces that need to come together are, you know, the first and foremost, we need the live transmission and the robustness and uh, the, 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 the robust and low latency connectivity of SST over 5G. Uh, next, 
then we can facilitate, once we've established that connection, utilizing our data bridge, uh, we've established a bi-directional uh, data path back to the studio lamp and we can provide remote control again in a robust uh, environment. We've got to get that robust connectivity out of the SST. So it gives us, you know, live transmission, camera remote control and video return and as, uh, as, as well as uh, intercom applications. And with the video return, um, you know, all three pieces come together. We've got live control, video return, we can provide communications. Uh, so, you know, interfaces, four-wire interfaces to intercom. Uh, and one of the things with return video is we can, um, we can, we can create an infrastructure at your studio with up to 16 discrete return video sources. So if you have more than one location uh, or, you know, more than one talent location, um, in the stadium, or you want to feed cameras different returns, uh, actually have the flexibility of feeding 16 sources across multiple stream hub hubs back out to multiple field encoders. So there's a lot of flexibility there. And that's what is all, all three of those brought together. You can say that, that's fine. Uh, all, you know, three of those are the elements that need to come together and successfully be able uh, to, to, to deploy a, a, a true primary production. Uh, the setup is easy. Go ahead and bring the whole, bring, bring everything in. It's a simple enough, but uh, the, the fields side is very simple. Um, it's an ethernet connection it comes, we have two ethernet ports out of the encoders, uh, can plug that directly into an IP control camera, uh, set up a static IP address on, uh, I'll touch a little later of how it's really just an extension of your LAN. Um, video in, via SDI or HDMI and return video out via HDMI. Select the data bridge, turn on the data bridge and hit live and away you go, it connects and you have full remote control. Very easy, simple and straightforward. The, um, uh, as I've mentioned twice now, I believe, could be three times, I talk a lot, but uh, is what, what, what is different about our data bridge is it's and it's and the design the approach that that was taken is ideal for remote control is we don't peel off two connections two of our, our cellular connections and use those as a as a wi-fi over the public internet we are extending your land your studio land whether it's production land or whichever land but we're extending your studio land out to the devices in the field through our sst and so it's really on, it's just a subnet on your net, network. So it's very easy to deploy, very easy to set up the subnets, uh, connect in an agnostic IP system and away you go. One of the things that we also do is because again, it's, a, it's, it's part of our overall pipe. We are carving out the data bridge for remote control over our existing SST pipe. And during live, um, we reduce to protect, to both protect the live transmission and ensure that we can, uh, that we have enough bandwidth available for remote control is we carve out, we reduce the data bridge capability the throughput uh, to more than enough to handle uh, remote control, to uh, handle 
IP audio devices that may be connected and used, you know, whether for intercom or future, you know, uh, IP devices. So there's, there's more than enough data is maintained for all of those ancillary services, but we protect uh, the, the bandwidth of the live transmission. And then when you're not live, it goes, it goes back. The overall solution uh, here with one of our partners is CyanView. And one of the challenges, although, you know, we, we extend that LAN, um, systems that traditionally operate on that LAN, camera control, things like that, uh, they're used to being within, you know, 100 meters or less uh, of a wired connection. And when we're, when we're extending it out to the land, there are some potential additional challenges in those protocols, the handshakes, timeout, things like that. So CyanView smooths all of that out. That's one of the vendors that we work with. In a deployment like this, we use CyanView with bird dog cameras, just directly RJ45 in and out of those, fully IP, um, and use on the camera side. In this case, it's a non-IP camera and CyanV provides a small cigarette pack size uh, converter that we plug into the ethernet and it brings out serial control. Um, so the, you know, we're, although we're agnostic uh, to, you know, any type of system, because we've created that extended WAN connection uh, and can be utilized, you know, by, by pretty much anything, some will work better than others because of the inherent challenges of extending, uh, you know, local area network further than 300 feet. Go ahead, I'm sorry, you can, can change. Um, and again, just a little bit deeper look. Uh, this is technically on just tally, but, you know, it shows the pieces a little clearer. Uh, it's fully tally capable, it, you know, can do, you know, uh, old fashioned closers, GPIO, uh, it'll do TSL protocol and, um, pretty much any tally over IP existing protocols that are out there uh, as well. And with serial camera, it can be facilitated with, uh, you know, both a feeding the tally into the camera for the eyepiece and to the front, uh, you know, to the, the uh, uh, to the front light and a light on the uh, real box as well. So tally is really easy to implement. And, you know, kind of in the summary, it's, you know, you control multiple cameras, as many as you want, really. Uh, the CyanView system, I believe, is expandable, you know, to, uh, well, I don't want to name a number, but, you know, extremely large camera control systems with multiple control points. Uh, multiple cameras, doesn't matter what camera, you know, we can do IP cameras, uh, you know, and it's very, very simple and fast to set up and establish. Another, another uh, company that we've integrated with, uh, you know, specifically is uh, XD Motion. Very interesting robotic cameras and both tethered and untethered drones. And the next slide shows the, uh, you know, type of implementation through their system is, you know, they have a small controller. And again, we're providing the LAN connection, you know, their controller, their devices, or your controller, cameras that, could, that are, are ready to be controlled. Uh, but in this instance, both robotic cameras. And what I found really interesting is we can't do this in the US right now, um, but from an aerial drone, 
you know, where the air is actually mounted on the drone and it's flying. Uh, or, you know, they also have the tether drone where that is on the ground. Unfortunately, with the, because the, it's actually not the FAA, the FCC prevents, you know, that would be an airborne cellular transmission. We can't do that. Uh, but very, very interesting uh, application that, 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 that we, you know, Sam Rowland team have done uh, uh, previously. Okay, thank you, Neil. Um, another example, so we wanted to show you, of course, uh, the principle uh, and the benefits of 5G remote production and so on, but we wanted also to give you some example of concrete deployment uh, to make sure that um, um, it's fully understood, of course, and to, to, to show you what we already did in, 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 uh, in the field. So here is another example uh, with another type of uh, uh, devices or bird dog equipments. It's an event that took place uh, one month ago in Greece for the final of the cup uh, uh, in the Olympic Stadium. And as you can see here, uh, with the AVI West solution, uh, uh, the production team were controlling bird dog cameras uh, during, uh, during the event through the 5G network. So it was during, uh, it was on the 24th of May, uh, during the final, the 79th final edition uh, between uh, the Piraeus and Thessaloniki team, which are very famous in Greece. Uh, so the two main team. And um, the, the, the event took place in the Athens Olympic Stadium, but the production was achieved uh, in the Cosmot TV studios and, uh, and uh, the transmission was uh, managed by the Cosmot 5G networks. So it looks like this, so nothing new compared to what we explained. So there was two PTZ uh, at the two uh, opposite side of the stadium. Uh, of course, this system was a complementary system of the existing infrastructures, okay, um, uh, with uh, uh, traditional cameras and traditional systems. And I wanted to experience if remote production and 5G was working well. At the beginning, it was just to do a trial, but it worked so fine that during the live, they decided to switch at some times, at some moments, to this PTZ camera because there was no artifact, no problem. It was very smooth. The quality was very high. It was all the time full HD videos without any problems. So they, they, they switch it during the, the, the game. As you can see here, uh, the position of the of the PTZ and on the bottom part, some, uh, some uh, capture during the event. So that was a first example. The next example took place in US during the COVID time. And I let the floor to my colleague because he's probably more an expert on golf than I am. A <laughs> uh, little bit, probably a little bit more, uh, but you're <laughs> probably more of an expert on soccer than I am. Uh, yeah, this was actually a very interesting event. I believe, it's my understanding, that this was like the first live sporting event uh, after COVID hit. Uh, it was a little over a year ago, uh, back in May, which was soon after everything shut down. And the PGA Tour, um, you know, did their, did the first production um, under, you know, post-COVID. It was broadcast both over broadcast TV and uh, over the top digitally uh, online. And it was, yeah, go ahead and bring uh, reveal the entire slide. And the restrictions, it was very restricted because it was, you know, the very beginning, it was a private course. And, you know, so they limited 50 people on the course, including officials, 
you know, between the officials, golfers, everybody. So it left 28 people for the TV crew to cover a golf game. Uh, but it was, you know, kind of a shootout amongst four golfers and they decided to uh, follow four golfers around the course with a number of cameras. So there was the production crew with uh, two field reporters at the location, shooting everything back to the St. Augustine, uh, to the control room of St. Augustine, where you know they had play-by-play -play and um, production team and the, it was switched and two analysts. And then also a wrinkle was uh, one of the, the color commentary, Mike, Mike Tirico was not able to travel. So he actually, uh, via return and Remy, um, provided the color commentary from his house in, in, in Michigan. Next. Okay, so, you know, basically in a nutshell, as I said, you know, follow them around the course with, uh, you know, there were eight, uh, eight pro 380s. So two cameras with green, two on the fairway, uh, two at the tee box, and then there were two others that were used for tracking. And one thing that uh, was interesting about the tracking shot that we discovered is one of the features that we have that that is unique is we have the capability of accepting analog audio inputs, uh, you know, in addition to just embedded SDI. And evidently the tracking, I forget the name of the system, the tracking telemetry is just an audio analog line. So we were able to facilitate that using the encoders as well. But there was a lot on one hull. So there were the eight cameras, other uh, drone using our 320s, a couple of POV, well, three POV, cameras using our Air 320 uh, and two sound guys equipped strictly sound guys with, uh, you know, an air around their, their belt following, uh, following the talent. And, you know, I believe they might've had uh, uh, Parabas as well, but uh, sound guys facilitated by the analog audio input. And, you know, everything going back, all sources uh, going back totally synchronized, Genlock, lip sync, uh, in time, back uh, to the control room, and easily facilitated a real live production with that many cameras off just one hole. Uh, they were successful and pretty happy with the deployment. Okay, thank you, Neil. So here is uh, the, the last slide bef before collecting your question, if any, to summarize in, in, in uh, the, the architecture that we are promoting by, by Heavy West um, with, uh, to make your life easier for producing an event remotely in the venue, but from, from home and in your studio, thanks controlling any device, so cameras, CCU, switch, and so on from the studio. Of course, basically uh, uh, delivering the video streams, audio and video delivery stream uh, from the field to the studio in a perfect synchronized way to make sure that your switching in the studio are, are fine and to offer additional and extra services like video return, intercom and so on. So I don't know if you have something to add, Neil, on that. Some comment. Well, no, just 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 to summarize a little bit on that is also you know with the with the well you would mention the intercom and one of the things that I expect uh, you know may become more and more prevalent is uh, uh, prevalent prevalent is uh, utilizing audio IP devices. People are utilizing uh, uh, 
you know, Unity for Intercom, that's very basic. And other uh, intercom manufacturers have apps. And again, the connectivity uh, for that uh, is there, but uh, you know, who knows where, uh, you know, IP audio capabilities are gonna go and what people will wanna be able to use. And that's all facilitated as well. And the improvement in the networks, uh, especially the lower latency, is what you know eventually i see the carriers with a millimeter wave type deployment is being able to replace fiber you know being able to replace fiber lines that are now at, at a facility and your glass to glass latencies are, are low enough to be able to do this for tier one events uh without a hitch excellent so I don't know if our audience uh, or attendees have some questions, so I let you write them on the Q&A panel. Haven't seen any yet. Uh, everybody's been pretty quiet. Now's the time we have a few minutes. Uh, I'm glad we kept it, you know, again, relatively short. There's a lot more detail uh, that we can go in in each of these areas. Uh, and would welcome the opportunity to discuss that, you know, with, uh, with you later uh, if you don't want to ask questions now and uh, you know as I said you know Samuel and I uh, hope we're you know Samuel may tell me to start using some of his counterparts but we we, we really look forward to uh, doing this on a monthly basis uh, with updates and uh, you know more case studies and to, to, to you know be available to educate and uh, you know, and and, and uh, convey where we are, where we feel the technology is going, and you know, potentially have solutions that uh, are of interest and can make a real impact on the market. So there are oh, we've got one question here. Oh, can you talk about what are the differences between SST and SRT? So make, maybe I can elaborate on that. Yes. So. The, ma the main difference between SST and SRT is that SRT does not manage uh, aggregation of networks. So SRT uh, is, uh, is fine uh, because it's an open standard. So it is compatible between different equipments from different vendors. Uh, but it's only for, uh, let's say, IP networks. For, uh, it does not work on cellular networks at all because it does not manage uh, aggregation of different uh, carriers. It, it does not ma manage the specificity of the cellular networks with uh, 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 latencies that can vary from a uh, few milliseconds to several hundred milliseconds. So uh, that is the big and main difference. There is also minor difference, but this is a major difference. Note that, that with AviWest, we also support SRT. Uh, not directly on our uh, transmitters, but the transmitters, which is close to the camera, is finally connected to the receiver, which is located in the cloud or inside the studio. And in this transceiver, you can deliver your stream on, uh, let's say, uncompressed signal on SDI output, as well as on IP output. And among all the, the supported standards on these IP outputs, there is SRT. We support also RTMP, HLS, transport stream, but SRT is also available, which means that our ecosystem is finally also compliant with SRT ecosystem. As well as inputs, you talked about SRT outputs. We can also accept 
all of those IP sources yeah. as inputs as well. And I'm glad you used the term ecosystem because that's what I like to use is that the, the StreamHub transceive capability, it's really an, an ecosystem. It's not just a receiver. So we can re receive and deploy um, IP of multiple, multiple flavors. And I don't know if you want to talk about, you know, uh, coming soon capability of SRT uh, generation as well. Um, yes, we, we also plan in our product, uh, our transmitter for the end of the year to have SRT output. So you will be able to select SRT output if you are not using the equipment on cellular networks or SST output if you were to have enhanced services all that i have described in the presentation so you will have the choice of both on our transmitter in in a soon uh, in the near future right and because you know the goal is we see the need for interoperability of know, course ip and bonded cellular has traditionally been an area where it is not in there is no interoperability and 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 so we're trying to you know uh, be as interoperable as possible and uh you know uh things like being able to deliver srt directly from the encoder you know will will open up you know additional additional output paths okay Very good. so For some I'm, go ahead i'm sorry no no i think that there is no more question okay that's what i was wanting to confirm for some reason i cannot open the question i was able to earlier uh, actually, there is ah. one. Another one just yes. came in. What Did is the can... max number of input and outputs uh, for the streamer? Do you want me to answer this? Yes. Yes, you're, you're, you're the product manager. Go for it. Yes. Okay. You're the for, expert. So the streamer, um, for the streamer, the streamer, for people who ignore what it is, the streamer is our transceiver. So it is the equipment located on the studio side or on the on the uh, on the cloud so um for the version uh, running on appliances so uh, on servers we support up to 16 uh, inputs and uh, up to eight sdi output and 16 ip uh, and uh, 64 uh, ip outputs for the version run running on the cloud there is no real limitation. It depends on the dimensioning of your system because you are instantiating different size of uh, of, of a version. So, but basically, keep in mind that it is 16 input. So 16 uh, Pro 3 or Air or transmitters from AviWeb that you can connect to a streamer. Or or for Avi West and three SRT feeds and yes, two exactly. RTMP feeds and yes. Uh, and uh, and we are we're now up to eight SDI outputs, uh, sixteen, uh, and as you said, up to sixty-four. I guess on our biggest devices, yeah. Uh, yeah. IP outputs, and those are in addition to the SDI outputs. So if you have an eight SDI output box, you can still do sixteen plus IP outputs as well yeah. in addition. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And again, the uh, the. Um transport formats of the IP output are very large on our solutions. So it can be uh, Apple HLS, it can be RTMP, RTSP, transport stream, SRT. Uh, so it's very large. Facebook, we can feed directly to Facebook and CDNs and Exactly. And, yes, and, and one, one feed, for instance, one feed coming from one 
Pro 3 or one SRT input can be, um, you know, uh, split on multiple outputs. So it's, it's a kind of splitter as well. It can behave as a splitter. Right, a better term that I would use having a broadcast background would be a router. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, to a degree, it is. I mean, to a degree it has, uh, you know, it has a scaling routing capability of inputs to outputs. Uh, transcode capability between formats, uh, up and down conversions. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's really an IP acquisition ecosystem. Okay. Well, we're just about to the 45 minute length, uh, unless we have another question come in here real quick. If not, and if anybody has any additional questions, please feel free if you go, I believe the next slide has uh, contact info. Samuel, next slide. Oh, sorry. Is uh, you can reach us at, at at either of those addresses. We'll come to both me and Samuel uh, following the webinar. And um, thank you very much for your interest and attendance and questions. And thank you so much, Samuel. Uh, probably couldn't have done it nearly as well without your expertise. Oh and everybody have a great day.